Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the last screening, I think, of the Tribeca Film Festival. And it's an extraordinary screening you're about to witness. Um, Supermensch, The Legend of Shep Gordon, directed by the extraordinary, a, a man you know in so many different ways, but not in this one before, as a director, Mike Myers. And it's my honor to introduce him to you all. Just to say hi. I didn't realize I forgot. No, that's all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I, I had my second kid. Um, thank you. Uh, so uh, I, I'm going to head back and, and uh, be that guy in, in, uh, right after this. But I, I didn't, of course, it would be insane not to pop by. Um, I live around the corner, too. Uh, to uh, thank you all for coming today. And I also want to thank uh, all the people that made this possible. Um, I'd like to thank Beth Alla. Is she here? Beth? And uh, Caroline Waterlow, Alice Henty, Michael Pruitt Brune, Fiona McBain, Tom Quinn, uh, Liza Pfefferman, Caroline McKenzie, uh, Robert DeBetetto, David McKilp, Feb Five Freddy. I hope you're here. And, and Uli. Uli, are you here from Max Fish? Thank you so much for letting us film there. Um, where are we at? Lance Klein, Liesl Copeland, Dan Aloni, Tom Kartsosis, Ina Traciokas, uh, sorry, Jason Weinberg. Uh, and the fantastic Joseph Krings, who is the editor of our movie, and he is a genius and brilliant, and I, I stand in awe. And uh, I'd like to thank Kelly Myers, my wife, Spike Myers, and uh, the new rookie, Sunday Myers. Um, most of all, I want to thank Shep Gordon, who for 20 years I have begged him, please can I do a movie about you? You are so fascinating, you're just like the nicest guy in the world, and you're just an inspiration, and uh, he's just the best, and I hope you, I love him, I loved him before having made this film, I love him even more now, and uh, he just continues to inspire me and teach me, and he's just, he's, you'll see, he's fantastic. I'd also like to thank Michael Douglas, um, first, first of all, he's just such a fantastic artist, Michael Douglas, what a, what a great actor, I mean, come on, people. Um, I can't believe I know him. Um, and uh, anyways, I want to thank him very much for appearing in the film. Uh, he's insanely helpful and so generous of him to come tonight to be part of the Q&A, which uh, is just so lovely and generous of him. And once again, thank you so much uh, for coming out. Um, this is a labor of love. This is just about... How do you put it? Um, just about loving somebody and wanting their story to be told and and uh i hope you enjoy it thank you for coming thank you ladies and gentlemen please welcome michael douglas hi everyone good evening good evening thank you so much uh for coming here uh to see super mensch uh, before I get a chance to introduce my my dear friend Shep Gordon, uh, I want to just take a moment to really acknowledge Mike Myers. Uh, you know, a lot of actors we always talk about taking the time out to direct a film, or you know, it's usually sort of a something beneficial for us. But 
This was a complete labor of love. And I know Mike's not here right now, but um, I, I really would like to just congratulate him for whatever took over um, to spend the 18 months to kind of put this whole film together. So I'd just like to acknowledge Mike Myers for one second. <laughs> uh, I'm here uh, in part. The festival's pretty cool. Uh, that's the other half of it is that uh, Shep Gordon is one of my oldest friends. And so you can imagine when I first saw this documentary come together, um, I couldn't quite believe it. One, that Mike you know, really caught Shep, warts and all. Um, and, and two, that it was, it was there for everybody else to see. So um, I'm so proud of it because uh, he's... A, I'm a little partial. He's a dear, dear friend, uh, an extraordinary guy. He's had an amazing career, but more importantly, he's, he's good to the heart. So without further ado, let me introduce Mr. Shep Gordon. <laughs> he doesn't like to kiss on the lips in public. You know, so it's like, it really... Aloha, know, everybody. Aloha. <laughs> That's another story. How does a nice guy from Long Island who went to school up in Syracuse? Buffalo. Buffalo. Close. Sorry. Close. In, in Buffalo. There's a lot of Buffalo in here tonight, I think. Are there? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. And, uh, Shep, what is the word, I mean, for the, the goyim in our audience, <laughs> what does the word uh, mensch uh, mean to you? Um, it, it has a really deep meaning for a couple of reasons. One was um, growing up in a, a Jewish community. Mensch was a revered word. wasn't used often. Um, and um, my dad was a mensch. And uh, everybody would say, you know, your father's a mensch, your father's a mensch, your father's a mensch. And then one day, I, I never really thought about it again. And then I got a letter from Norman Lear. And he called me a mensch. And that was one of the highest moments of my life, to get called who is, Norman is a mensch. I mean, I thought right. one of the greatest mensches I ever met. And um, so was, I'm really proud. It's, um, I don't think you can say something, anything better. But what were the qualities your dad had my that dad, made you think he, he, that he was a mensch? He was um, very gentle, always kind to everyone, compassionate. Um, put other people before him, um, was sort of a way... I think there's... Um, a mensch walks into a room and sort of has an awareness of, of where there's need. Right. Um, and plays into that. Um, so if someone is sick, you bring them chicken soup. That's a mensch. But would you say that this echo of your father being a mensch wasn't like a steady progression in your life. It's something you heard, <laughs> something you heard a little later in life. Yes, yes, okay. I very, I many, want to make sure about. Yeah, yeah. Before many, you start walking on water here, yeah, you no, know, I want to make. No, <laughs> I, I spent many more time in the unmensch category right. probably than in the mensch category. <laughs> no, <laughs> it took a long. I mean, the one thing about the movie that's interesting is that it's Mike's story of me. Yeah. And it's sort of a love story, so none of the blemishes are really there. Well, this is the other part that I wanted to ask because, you know, I've known you for more than 
than 30 years, no. you know, 30, 35 years. You know way too and, much. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, um, you know, when this all came forward with, with, uh, with Michael, and knowing the kind of commitment that he made for this documentary, where did this happen with you and, 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 and Michael? Where did this all happen? Um, you know, it's, it's, I really only found out when I watched the movie. Um, I, had, um, I had met him on Wayne's World, and then I heard he was at the Four Seasons Hotel down the beach from me. So I invited him to dinner. This is about 15 years ago, maybe. And I, I love telling stories. Um, some of the stories... I know that. You're a great yeah, storyteller. I'm a great storyteller. Alice has a great line. He said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Right. <laughs> and um, I love telling stories. And some of them, I, I, as you could tell from the movie, I dabbled in hallucinogenics. So whether, my memory of what things were is not as clear in reality, maybe sometimes. And, um, but Mike would say, you've got to tell me more stories. And I go to sleep early in Maui, as you know. Oh, early. Really early. And Mike stays up late. Yeah, early. Um, and um, Mike stays up late, so he would call me and say, before you go to sleep, will you give me two stories? And this went on for 15 or 20 years. And about five or ten years into it, he said, I have to tell these stories on film. And um, that was the last thing I sort of wanted in my life, was to jump to the other side. You know, having been from one of the greatest positions in my life was being a plus one for Michael for a number of years. And let me explain what a plus one is. A plus one, so here, here's, Michael would call up and say, I'm going to the Venice Film Festival. Would you like to come? I have two people can come. So I was the plus one. It was Michael Douglas, plus one. So we would get on a private airplane. People would say, would you like caviar? Would you like some vodka? Would you like more champagne? Can we rub your back? Can we rub anywhere else? Can we do anything to you? <laughs> And, you know, we're pretty equal on the plane. Then the plane lands. And Michael would get a sheet of interviews that started at 7 in the morning and went till 6 at night and activities and people he had to meet and do stuff. And they would say to me, oh, Mr. Gordon, would you like a massage today? Maybe you'd like your nails done. Um, what are you going to do while Michael's working? <laughs> um, and that's what a plus one does. <laughs> so... <laughs> That was my best position in life. Well, you, you did it very well, I, I might well. add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so jumping to the other side of the plus one was an interesting choice because oh, I got yeah. up at eight this morning and did interviews. Oh, yeah. Well, the, 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 <laughs> Instead the, of a manicure. It's a, but it's great. And by the way, I think the, um, in lieu of uh, Weinstein Company, but you learn why they're so good. Yeah, they're really uh, they're, good. They're yeah. promotion, they work things yeah. hard, and they're, and, and they're very effective. But, Chef, the reality is, you know, you must have been in, you know, we're, we're about the same age. I'm a little older than you, mm. but uh, not much. But, um, you, know, you know, music obviously was a big part of your life, you know, early on. Um, you know, you, you're there in, in, uh, in Buffalo. Uh, you graduate, you go out to L.A., Looking for you know things to do. You get together with an old buddy of yours in, in Buffalo, yep. and Alice is like downstairs in a recording studio. Yeah, no, Alice is um, living in the Chambers Brothers' basement. Um, I to recap it. Um, I go out to Buffalo with the. Uh, I come, I leave Buffalo. I get a job as a probation officer 
my roommate and best friend from college, Joe Greenberg, comes out with me. Um, and we live at the Landmark Hotel. And we're doing anything illegal you could possibly do. Um, to and make one, money. To make money. Yeah. Um, and survive. And um, through this, just through circumstance, we ended up in a rock and roll hotel. And um, Jimi Hendrix, Chambers Brothers, Janis Janis Joplin, everybody was there. And in those days, the entertainment business had two categories. There was the entertainers, and then there was the Jewish hierarchy. Jews owned the studios. They were the managers. They were the agents. William Morris was all Jews. So to them, I was Jewish. I was a manager or an agent. And they introduced me to Alice, and the journey began. It was... um, so were you, were you instrumental early on in, in uh, initially and originally Alice did not have the theatrics stuff? Is it true, the story about you throwing the chicken on stage? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we um, Joe and I um, didn't have any talent as managers. Alice wasn't particularly, hadn't honed his craft as a musician. So, um, um, that's his manager speaking. <laughs> he did hold it eventually, I'm happy to say. But in those days, it was, um, you know, Al- the Alice Cooper group started as a um, high school track team who did a letter dinner. You know, when, if, you, if you're on an athletic team in high school, they have the dinners where the lettermen have to do a skit. Mind you, excuse me, but didn't Alice hold some 400-meter uh, he, he record? He, he held the 26-mile. That's where he broke his nose. He won, held the Arizona State Marathon record for years. So, so they were the track team. Right. Dennis Dunaway and Alice were the track team. They got Beatles wigs, and they made believe they were the Beatles, and girls screamed. And he went for it. That was, oh, my God, they're screaming. I want to do this. So... Um, did you, did you come up with the masks idea? Was it, or was no, it I think it was all of us together that sort of came up with it. They, they had the name when I met them. They had the name out. They had just changed from the NAS to Alice Cooper. I had a professor who talked about entertainers who were successful. The common thread was rebellion of parents. Elvis Presley, they couldn't show his hips on Ed Sullivan. And that was Colonel Parker who only let him go on the show if they wouldn't show the hips. Right. Um, the Beatles were long hairs, disgusting. My mother used to say, Bob Dylan, how could you listen to him? He funfies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a funfier. Uh, so I knew that if I could get parents to hate him, kids would love him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the makeup sort of came out of that. I think the GTOs were a big part of the makeup. Right. And the makeup just started sort of as a smudge. Um, the first costumes that they could afford, this was right when I met them, was uh, the, I, the Miss Pamela had told him about a place that was selling for 25 cents a pound the old Ice Capade outfits. So they went and bought a pound of the Ice Capade outfits. <laughs> and if you look at early Alice, they're wearing these sparkly dresses and all this spark. <laughs> if you think Ice Capades, exactly Ice Capades. So the chick, what I tried to think of was what would really disgust my parents. And the concept of Alice, like, killing a chicken would right. be disgusting. <laughs> so here comes there the went. chicken. <laughs> and so he was your first, your first act. He was my first client. He's the la- your last your My last, last client. first and last, yeah. And, but out of him came your other acts. Right. You obviously 
develop a success with him early on, and then Teddy and yeah. some of the other acts came out of that? Yeah. I started to see that um, the same principle I applied to Alice um, could be applied to other artists. And um, it was, um, I think, in the movie I called The Guilt by Association One was one of the things. One of, one of the... Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention tonight was, um, you know, in this movie, I get credit for everything. And um, everything that I get credit for was part of a team effort. In the early days, it was Joe Greenberg, who I went to Buffalo with, who was really probably more important than me in the, in the making of Alice Cooper in the beginning. When I started with the chefs, um, Michael who never talks about it and never takes credit, was probably as important. When Emerald says, if you want to know why there's celebrity chefs, and he says it was Shep, it was Shep using what Shep did, but the face of it was Michael, who um, was so generous with his, his time and his presence. I, I, we, we, in Cannes, there's a restaurant called the Moulin des Moujans. And the Moulin des Moujans, for all of us in the film business, was the place you had to be at the Cannes Film Festival. And the chef was revered, Mr. Verger. But he wasn't known outside of his circle. And um, I knew that if I had him in L.A. at the right party, hosted by the right person, that I could get all the Hollywood celebrities who went to his restaurant in a picture with him, which guilt by association would make him a celebrity. And Michael was so generous. I remember one of the, we did, we did, it, it result, the, the manifestation was dinners that we did, both in Cannes and L.A. And um, I remember the last, the last dinner we did was at, at my house. Mr. Verger cooked. The menu cover was Michael, I don't know if you remember this, pulling a cart. What is it called? The red, the, the little cart that kids get pulled in. Uh, yeah, red yeah, rider. red, red, red wagon. Red wagon. You, the cover of the menu was you pulling the red wagon with Mr. Verger and a bottle of wine sitting in the wagon. <laughs> um, and we gave, and at because Michael was the one inviting, and because Mr. Verger was known by all the celebrities, we ended up in the movie. You saw a picture of John Lennon with Anne Murray that helped her career. This was Michael, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold. Danny DeVito, Anthony Quinn, Jack Nicholson, um, James Coburn, all in white cooking jackets, a Wolfgang, um, the great chefs, all surrounding Mr. Verger. And it was that picture, I think more than anything else, that cemented in the brains of America that, wait a second, this guy is, celebrity chefs are celebrities. These are really amazing people. And then we were talking tonight, there was one funny moment that night. Um, party was over about 2 o'clock, and I always leave early. I go in the bedroom. I come out of the bedroom. The only person left is Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and he's at maybe 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock, and I just want to go to sleep. And I walk over to him, and he's leaning up against the wall, and he's got a pretty good buzz, which unusual, I'm sure, for Jack. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I said, hey, great party. Uh, I guess it's over. And he goes, and I get right next to his ear, and he says, which one of us has to go home? (laughs) 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 
which I know um, is one of the greatest in the party line. No, you were you were, you were ahead of your game, man. You were so far ahead of the game as far as where the chefs were and your big feast on the beach in yeah, Miami. Big feast on the beach, it, thank it was, you. Yes. Uh, it was a, it was a beautiful occasion. So, but here you are. I was looking. You know, you started off, and now you're 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 rocking as a um, as a manager. And then before you know it, boom, you're into the film production. So, were you? Is it? Did you have an idea of having some kind of you know micro uh, you know business that covered all these areas, or was it love? I mean, because I would think you know as successful as you're doing in in the, the music business. Why did you get into film production? You know, I got into it really for Carolyn Pfeiffer. Carolyn um, was really good to me. I loved her. She lost her baby, wanted to change jobs. She came to work for me. Um, And um, I think Alan Burry is actually in the house today who worked with her. He was a partner, which is Aloha, Alan, wherever you are. Um, And um, she came in and she started managing. She brought... Um, Raquel Welsh into my company as a, for management, Sarah Miles, um, a bunch of the clients that she had worked with, and she hated management, just hated it, um, and I understand why, um, and um, said she wanted to make movies, so movies we made. So how did you juggle your acts? Um, I mean, obviously you have people working for you, but how do you juggle your acts, the music business, and the long form of making productions and films. I wasn't really involved. I mean, you, again, you, you it's delegated. One, I delegated. It's you one delegated. of, you know, in the movie, it looks like I did everything. Right. Everything is really a family, you know, that, that makes it work. And in, in the movie world, particularly, um, Carolyn really ran the film company. I didn't enjoy being on set. I didn't enjoy having to have 100 people agree on the same thing. Um, it just wasn't a meeting. And I didn't enjoy the studios at all. Where I became involved was after we did two studio movies. I said to Carolyn, we can't do this anymore. Right. Let's start an independent film company. And there wasn't an independent film company in America. There were companies that picked up European films and distributed them in America. But there were no companies that were giving American directors low budgets to make a creative piece that they wanted to make. But it was also... Going back to, to your music part, were you getting disenchanted as a, as a manager of music or the music industry? Not really. I mean, my disenchantment came with the rise of rap music. Um, for me, that was a gigantic change. Um, it wasn't safe backstage anymore. Well, let's talk about this a little yeah. bit because I think people don't quite understand what it was like to be a manager back in the 70s in the 80s and, you know, just try to collect your money Get and have, money. A gun, have a yeah. gun put to your head. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's changed dramatically, hasn't it, in 20, 30 years? Well, between? it's changed. It's morphed a few times. Um, when I started, I was in the white rock and roll entertainment business, which was fairly benign. Right. It was really kids on acid having a good time. Um, there was no violence. There was a lot of dishonesty. There was a lot of bullshitting, a lot of lying, but it wasn't violence. Um, and then when I started with Teddy, I um, saw the Chipman Teddy circuit. Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass, um, one of the great artists ever, one of my favorites. Um, I found out that there was a circuit called the Chitlin circuit where 
artists weren't being paid. They were being told that the only way they could get their record played was to do shows for free for the radio stations. And they did it. And it just blew my mind that, in, you know, for me, I was, I was playing the same building with Alice and making $30,000, and Teddy went into the building and made nothing. Um, and that had a violent backdrop to it because the people who were the protectors of the Chitlin circuit were very tough guys. Guns were prevalent. Um, violence was prevalent. It was big business. Um, they were making a lot of money, and they didn't want some white Jew from Long Island getting in their way. So I had a guy in my office pistol whipped, and I had more than once guns put to my head. Um, so movies started looking better. Yeah, movies started looking better. <laughs> but then it went away. No, no, Once the circuit got broken, it went away, and it didn't really come back till rap. But with rap, it changed because everybody had a gun. So you didn't know who your enemy was. Um, and I, w I had, a, had cut a, a fairly big path in the, um, in the uh, Afro-American music world. Right. So I was immersed in it. I had Stephanie Mills and Ben Vereen and Luther Vandross and Teddy Pendergrass and Rick James. and um, I, I was really immersed. And all of a sudden, I was going to these shows where there's like guns in people's things. And, um, everybody's, you know, every word coming off the stage is a four-letter curse word. And um, everybody, you know, is like, um, wait a second, I'm white. They hate me. Right. Um, why would they hate me? I'm too, you know, um, and it just became part of a a, uh, a game that I just didn't want to participate in. Um, I think it's mellowed out now. I don't really know, but right. um, it's um, so somewhere along this line, Super Mitch uh, evolved and 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 came in and. Um, Without getting too personal, maybe you can say a little bit, I don't know, out there as to how this sort of uh, evolved in terms of another turn in your life, in terms of, I mean, I, I mean, I think we all know what we're talking about, and all of us who have careers, and how much you focus all your energies and efforts into your career and your life, and this and that, if you're not married, and uh, and then all of a sudden, a situation arises and occurs which forces you to have to think about other people. Right. No, no I got really blessed. I think, I don't know if there's, is uh, Kiri, you still here? Is Carter still here? Would you stand up for a second? That's the baby that was born in the movie. Carter. <laughs> Hi, Carter. She's got the devil in her eye. She's going to be trouble. Uh, no, I got really lucky. I um, I mean, I, out of sometimes misfortune comes luck. And um, Winona, um, who's here tonight, too, back there. Where's Winona? And her mom. Winona, would you stand up for a second? Winona. Winona and I had a wonderful relationship and have always loved each other. And um, I showed up at a place where there were these four little children that um, sort of needed a nest. And um, 
it's the luckiest day of my life that um, you know I was there, and um, my life up till then had been <laughs> not exactly a family G-rated story, um, and um, it just no it, head, no backstage, no pass, head, no backstage, so pass. and. Um, I got lucky. I hope they think they got lucky too, and we, we, uh, you know, we got to uh, to help each other through the uh, through this life journey. And now there's a new one for next time around. <laughs> and your joy of food. Yeah. I don't know where. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd sit with Shep sometimes, you know, and he had this faraway, glassy eye, like he was thinking of some incredible woman. And he said, Shep. Just thinking about, you know, carbonara pasta. It's going to be really yeah. good. Uh, I'm going to make sure some people, if you have some questions, well, you know, we'll, we'll definitely uh, take the time. Go ahead. You want? <laughs> well, you Do you remember the, the bus? Yeah, I remember the bus. <laughs> I remember the bus. I'll give I'll, I'll give a couple of quick quick stories on on Shep. Um, I was living in Santa Barbara, California, and I was throwing a a party at my house with my my first wife, Deandra, and um, a dear friend of ours was living there. Had a friend named Shep who was coming up to visit, and we were up on a hill, and the party was going on. And I said, well, you all right? I mean, you're, you came up. I said, really great. You came up here for the party. You got a place to stay? And I said, yeah, I got a place. I said, where? I said, the bus. I said, the what? The bus. I got the bus. And I look out in my backyard, and there's a rock and roll bus. <laughs> so this whole big rock and roll bus. And I said, wow, look at this. This guy's full service, man. <laughs> He's coming in here, and it's like, you know, everything is all together. So that was where we first met. It was about 30 30-plus years ago. But one of the other stories, um, and he talks uh, a little bit about it, but I remember it was really cute, was we had had Basic Instinct at the Cannes Film Festival in 1992. And it caused quite a little stir, you know. It wasn't quite in that artistic, you know... (laughs) theme and genre at the time and even for the French they were kind of like whoa okay you know this 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 and that this and that and a dear friend of mine and become of a, a good friend of Shep's who's uh, has a house right near uh, uh, right near the uh, the festival on Tebe and Shep had sort of you know picked up a little bit on Sharon Stone um and why Unusual not? Everybody is. But anyway, this friend of mine has a beautiful house and property that his, his family's had for years and years, and it was very nice. And Shep and I are at this uh, con film festival party at, at this guy's house, and we're talking, and all of a sudden I see Shep look past me, you know, and he's seen Sharon Stone enter the party. And we're already friends for a while. He doesn't even say excuse me. He just, <laughs> he just goes, he goes right, right, right there, and he goes right up, 
and he introduces himself. He says, hi, he says, hi, and, and Sharon Stone, you know, making conversation. She looks around and says, this is a beautiful house. And Shep says, thank you. <laughs> so this is your house? And Shep says, would you like a tour? <laughs> and he proceeds. He's only been there one time to give Sharon a tour of the house. And to this day, she thought it was his. Yeah. You know. Our second meeting, I don't know if you remember this, but our, so the bus in Santa Barbara. And this is back... 80s. 80s, somewhere 80s. in the 80s. Nobody was traveling on private planes. It was very rare to travel on a private plane. And I had gotten an invitation from a company called Kuroko Films to go to Cannes on their plane. Very exciting. <laughs> Remember this? <laughs> and, and I really am feeling like the king of the world. And I, you know, oh my God, I'm on a private plane. I get to the plane, I walk up, and I walk on the plane, and it's really weird because it's like, all coach seats. Jet blue. Yeah, it's jet like blue all the way. All coach seats, and I know it's a long way away. And I see Arnold sitting there and Sly sitting there, and they're all sitting in these seats that don't go back. And I go over to one of the stewardesses, and I said, oh, is there a first-class section somewhere? She said, no, it's all these kind of seats. I said, really? And, um, do you have to stop going to con? She said, oh, two stops for fuel. And in those days, it was a Pan Am flight that went nonstop to Nice. Remember that? Which was, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't believe I didn't take the nonstop flight. And as I walk back, I see two couches on the plane. So I grab one couch and just lay stuff out on the couch. And as I walk back, I see Mike here in a seat. You're on an aisle seat in the back of his leg. Like, and I could see his face. And I said, do you remember me from Santa Barbara? He said, oh, yeah, you came with Philly. And I said, yeah, I said, do you have a manager? He said, no, I'm going to show you right now what managers do. Come with me. <laughs> and he, you didn't want to come. He said, no, I got an aisle set. Please trust me. Come with me. You're going to see what managers do. We walked up. I said, see that couch? Lie on it. Don't open your eyes for anything. <laughs> Make believe you're sleeping. <laughs> and you and I slept the whole way to God. <laughs> and everybody else was like, we got off the plane like, oh, that's a beautiful thing. It's true. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, hello. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, my name is Julia, and I'm a young actor. And I'm wondering, maybe both of you could offer some advice for someone who's just starting out. Hopefully, I missed the mic. Julia is a young actor who's um, looking for advice um, how to, to start out. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you want to be so hopeful and so supportive, but uh, the first thing—you <laughs> know—the um, first thing you've got to accept is rejection. No, I mean this. Seriously. I mean this. You, yeah. you have to learn. Yep. The, the, the quickest thing you have to learn right off the top, if you want to act, is is rejection. I used to tell people. Be thankful for rejection because every rejection gets you closer to a job. Yeah. And that's really the rhythm of it. Is you get rejected, and it doesn't it matter is. who you are. It's not a, it's not a reflection on yeah. you. Right. Not a reflection. They have a, an image or, or a picture. 
and as, as 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 good as you are. So you have to maintain that, and you have to know that you really want to act. It's not about being a star, which really makes it pretty narrow. But I love acting. I want to do you know uh, summer theater. I want to do repertory company work. Um, whether it's theater, you know, and or films, but uh, just to focus on being a star is going to make it kind of a diplomat, you know, disappointing, and um, and and just know, you give it, you do the best you can, and you walk out, and get a medical degree. Yeah. <laughs> 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 One more question. Uh, what are your favorite restaurants in New York? There's so, if, it, if the question's to me, there's so many that it's overwhelming. Um, I love, uh, I still love Nobu. Um, I love uh, Bottega del Vino, which is an Italian restaurant on 59th. Um, there's so many places, it's, it's actually overwhelming. I love Milos. Um, Maria, Maria. But I don't think there's any city in the world, quite honestly. I don't think there's any city in the world, you know, anywhere in this town, anywhere, at, at, at any level. Yeah, I agree. Food's good. I agree. You can't, you, you, you can't compete. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ever going to dine at Chef Gordon's restaurant? Um, I have one in Maui. So if you get to Maui, um, you definitely can dine there. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Is that me or Michael? That's you, man. Oh. <laughs> You've seen, you seen a lot more concerts than I did. You know? um, probably in Thailand, one of the uh, sex shows. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't resist, could you? You were batting a thousand, man. I mean, you were <laughs> Don't listen what, to that, Carter. <laughs> one of Luther's shows. Yeah, I love Luth. Uh, Teddy Pendergrass for me was my favorite artist. I know he's your favorite. I, I, I don't think it's fair to say who was your most difficult. Um, Luther was my difficult. Luther was, difficult. I know. Yeah, you said, yeah. Luther was. Is that why I do it now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Luther was difficult. But he was a great artist. Is somebody in the back has got one and we'll wrap it up. Uh, just a beautiful, uh, beautiful film, and your, your life was just clearly so, is clearly so amazing. Just curious how you felt the first time you actually you saw the film. Um, a wide range of emotions. There were certain things in the film that are very tough for me to watch. Um, talking about my mother, very difficult. Um, I put a card up at the end about my partner, Joe Greenberg, because I felt bad. that There are a lot of stories and people left out. This was Mike's story of my life, so there were things that are important to me and people who got left out, but I understood why, and it was his prerogative and his right to do it. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I was very humbled by, you know, to hear what Michael says about me or to hear what Emerald says or to hear what my, you know, when you have a friendship, you don't really look each other in the eye and say, uh, we love you and you're great and you're that you just have a friendship. So to hear what everybody said about me was very humbling. But also there were things that were painful. There were things that were very tough for me, like talking about how much my house is worth. It was very out of my wheelhouse. It was something that was important to Mike. He asked the question, I answered it. Um, but it was uncomfortable to watch. Um, so a wide range of emotions. It was good news. 
Yeah, yeah, good news. Yeah, definitely good news. Yeah, I'm happy about it. But. Um, I'm doing question and answers. <laughs> I'm on the Harvey Weinstein rat reel of like festivals and questions and interviews. Um, but I'm living in Hawaii. I'm cooking a lot and um, trying to be happy. Thank you all for Thank coming all. tonight. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all.